0: All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, Christmas in the NFL has come and gone in a blink of an eye like it always does. We are five days removed from the completion of the 2022 NFL Draft. Tonight, we are here to talk about how the Chargers and 49ers fared in this year's draft. Along the way, we can also dive into some winners and losers from this draft. And I may actually wrap us up up this evening with a curveball, but I know you'll be prepared for it. So choke up, step up in the box, take this bitch to right field, and everything will be... A-O-K.
1: I don't know about that, man. I'm like Serrano in Major League. I can't only hit
0: the fastballs. (laughs) I I knew we should have gotten the live chicken. Sorry, Jabu. (laughs) (laughs) I say, fuck you, Boo. I do it myself. (laughs) One of the greatest sports movies of all time. Yeah. Speaking of one of the greatest sports movies of all time, before I trickled down here, I was catching a couple scenes from The Sandlot, by the way, and it was when Babe Ruth showed up and told him, remember, Heroes... Are never forgotten but legends never die that's true just so we go through it um let's so let's be legends this evening as we provide our 2022 post nfl draft coverage lou you and i obviously for over a four-day or three-day window sent a lot of text messages back and forth to one another your thursday evening was far more eventful than mine in terms of actually making picks but I can tell you that mine was probably exponentially more stressful than yours as I sat there waiting holding my breath probably through the first 20 picks or so to see if D.O. Samuel was actually getting moved or not I, I took one breath after 10 after the Jets made their pick and said okay this is where all the speculation's been has been around that number 10 pick but didn't know if there was any outliers out there. You know, dude, you, you, as well as I know that that first night of the draft just causes crazy things to happen because it's like FOMO, right? All of a sudden teams are just like, I need three picks. I need two picks. I need a pick. I need whatever. Like I'm missing out on this as they're seeing all these top names that their scouts have been scouting for the last eight nine months and they just feel like they have to be a part of it and i was a little worried that the 49ers would almost devalue their own asset for a moment just to say i need to pick in this in the first round of this draft and you and i talked about it oh kind of like what the titans did in a.j brown exactly what the titans did in in a.j brown um but what they give 18 right they yeah. received for aj like my expectation you saw all the chatter beforehand yeah. right it was like at least 10 and probably 35 and 38 and a player and then wow. it turns out that the offer was actually for 10 for debo our second round pick and they were giving us like a fifth round in return which again crazier things have happened in, during the draft but i am very proud of my team by not taking that because that's that's a low ball offer, but I think that benefits us because it's like, hey, Debo, you said you wanted to trade. Hey, Debo, we entertain trades. Hey, Debo, we value you way more than these other teams have valued you, eventually said that they valued you at is what it yeah. comes down to.
1: Don't forget also the Lions that make a, an offer too. I forget what that was. Maybe it was at the 32nd and something else. Um Uh, Pick uh, for Debo Samuel. Uh, So winners. Yeah. Niners in that regard that, Hey, you get, you kept Debo, but you know, that's the good news. The bad news is AJ Brown signed a big deal. So that, that initial offer that they gave Debo Samuel, you probably can throw it out the window because that ain't going to be, that's not going to hold water anymore after AJ Brown just got his bag. 100%
0: 100% same agent. I don't think that first I know there's so much speculation out there. I don't even think that first offer was actually even made, to be honest with you. But you saw you heard A.J. Brown, right? So like 49er fans are beating up the 49ers that, oh, you offered this guy 16 million or whatever it was per 17 million per year. Blah, 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 blah. You heard A.J. Brown say that, like, hey, the Titans came at him with 16 million. So they're not the only team. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say low balling, but this is a negotiation. Like they set the floor right? Like, Hey player, it's your job to set the ceiling. And then Mm -hmm. we go somewhere in, in between. um, And obviously things happened and AJ Brown is now a a Philadelphia Eagle. But what's really, what I think is beneficial about that contract is the guaranteed portion of it, right? That's all these players care about is the guaranteed portion. And the guaranteed portion, if Debo wants to be compensated, similar is doable. It's doable. It's not, this alarming figure and they all want that eight, that APY, right. That average per year. And that's a fake number anyway. You know what I mean? Like that's not even like a real thing. It's just like what it, it's, it's all about the guaranteed is what it really like boils down to in 55 over what, four years. Mm-hmm. That's I, I'd swallow that right now for Debo Samuel. I would, I, yeah. I honestly would.
1: So getting back to the draft, it was funny like you yeah. were
0: talking about like waiting uh,
1: for the Jets on the clock at ten because there was so much chatter. Uh, when I saw the pick was in, I was utterly uh, uh, happy for you, utterly happy more for me, knowing that Debo was not coming to the AFC because we've, you know, uh, talked about this ad nauseum. The fact that AFC just there has been an exodus of talent just heading towards the AFC, and I just wanted a break for one goddamn night. So the draft was weird. I thought the first ten draft picks, there was so much anticipation. Trade backs, nothing, nothing, nothing. Then picks eleven through twenty happened, and then all of a sudden, that's when the floodgates happened, and shit got crazy. And every time, every pick, I felt like it was getting traded, and then like it just was an insane time, like uh, from that eleventh to twentieth uh, selection. Uh Real fun draft, and which is weird because. We were talking about before, usually drafts that don't have uh, top quarterback uh, prospects, the, the under uh, number of trades is like, it's really low uh, because people are not, you know, trying to vibe to, to trade up. But this was a different year. I, I started to think that, like, you know, if you, you've quoted me before saying this, and I've said this numerous times, it's not your daddy's NFL anymore. Teams are starting to become more and more aggressive and not valuing draft picks. They want more certainty as opposed to quantity. They want quality over quantity, and they're willing to take that risk dude
0: i i don't know why that hasn't been the philosophy for a while i just look at it like go get your guy like you know what i mean like you 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 pay these scouts you pay these people you've been doing this for months and months and months and months and months and you have your evaluation if that's your guy like go get your guy right like i i wish more people actually took the the school of thought that bill belichick has where he's like that's my guy like and every draft pundit will sit there and be like you reached i had this guy with a third round value you took him let's be very clear about something do you think bill belichick gives a fuck about his mel Kuiper draft grade
1: i get that but let's you know what i don't want to comment this because i think we're going to save some of this conversation probably for okay. later so I just- let's he, he doesn't,
0: right? And why should he? He's a six-time Super Bowl winning head coach, you know what I mean? like, he, he, And general manager. Like, he, he's basically said, like, so, all right, I'll say I'll say Yeah, this. let's I'll say let's some time. Let's say probably All right, right. We all right. So, this. so, let's start with our, our home teams here, um, like we normally do throughout the week, um, you know, during the regular season. So, Lou, lead us off like you always do. Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers draft.
1: All right, well, first and foremost, I thought uh, overall the Chargers, uh, they did nothing sexy in the draft, and I don't mean that in a negative way. This was more of a meat and potatoes, I'm going to say, type of draft. Uh, they really fortified both the offensive and defensive line, and the joke I used to make during the season, when we were coming the season, is that the fact that the Chargers are softer than a Twinkie filling. Well, after this draft and some of the other acquisitions in the offseason, I no longer really believe that. Uh, they did a great job. If you look at a lot of their selections, they did a great job adding players that are versatile. And I, I think that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, versatile doesn't mean you can play many positions in, in, you know up and down in offense or defense. It means you can play many positions at an efficient level, meaning you're good at playing many positions. And I feel like they did a good job – uh, of uh, addressing the versatility, um, so there. So <clears throat> we'll go. We'll go through some real quick picks. Uh, their first round pick uh seventeen, perhaps maybe the most nervous because there was a player that I was petrified that was going to be on the board for them and be at the selection, and one on Trevor Penning, uh, and the fact that he was on the board while they were selecting gave me. I'm telling my left arm started tingling. That's how nervous I started again. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to the hospital. I'm like, they're going to fucking take Trevor Penning and his 34 fucking penalties. Uh, and he'll be the sole reason why, you know, Justin Herbert gets hurt in the in, in the season. But I, I'm so proud they had the wherewithal to realize, and even, I'm not sure if you heard Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, uh, uh, the head coach of the Chargers, his press conference after the first round pick, was kind of throwing shade at the fact that people thought they were going to uh, select Trevor Penning. He said, we needed a player to come plug and play right away. They had upside. We couldn't afford to pick uh, take a player that, had, that was more of a project. Trevor Penning is that project because he's athletic as hell. Awful technique, a lot of penalties. So uh, I'm glad they had the wherewithal to uh, not take and reach for uh, the fourth offensive uh, tackle. That being said, with their first overall pick, I wanted a wide receiver so bad or Jordan Davis. Weston, you know this. Um, I thought adding a wide receiver would have changed the dynamic of this offense. but damn, that wide receiver run. whoo, it went real early uh, starting at you know starting at eight with Atlanta, then the jets and, and you know so on, then the Falcons trading up. and the Falcons the Saints trading up. then the then the Eagles traded up for Jordan Davis. And then, like, where does that lead them? There's two players on the board, Jermaine Johnson, would have loved him too, because that would have added some uh, uh, additional, uh, you know, pressure. You know me; I think edge is one of the most pivotal uh, positions on a defense. You, you state cornerback, but I think edge is more is a, a premium position. So I wouldn't mind that. And then the other uh, player that I was really high on at seventeen was the one they selected and Zion Johnson. Boston College offensive lineman. Um, and the reason why I say offensive lineman, I don't give him designation of interior offensive lineman is because he's extremely versatile. Now, for those who do listen to us and listen to our senior bowl coverage, uh, I'm just going to copy the notes. I had. I literally just copy and paste in the notes I had, because I was talking about Zion Johnson uh, for a long period of time during that coverage. And he was the national squad's practice player of the week. He was the best player on that field um, he really my notes say he really paved the way for arizona states uh, uh, rashid white he's good in the run game uh, the way he moved and climbed to second level i uh, and pick off linebacker was extremely impressed by that because he had the athleticism to do so and uh, had the iq to identify his uh, mike uh, assignments. he displayed good power went against uh, defensive tackle Ar- from arkansas john ridgewood uh, ridgeway uh who John Ridgway is uh, your traditional like zero or one technique, heavy nose tackle. Uh, they, uh, so that was uh, – and he really outclassed him. Um, <clears throat> he played uh, center, but he also has played guard. He's played tackle. He's, you can move him up and down this offensive line with the Chargers. I thought it was a really solid pick, really high floor pick, plug and play, automatically, boom, uh, add some more protection, uh, especially in the interior of that offensive line for Justin Herbert. So I, I, I personally love that pick. I'm not sure if I like that pick more than the fact that it wasn't Trevor Penning, but I did love the selection of Zion Johnson because uh, of his, because of his makeup. He's intelligent. I mean, this guy had a as a computer science major with a, a double major with a criminal like uh, cyber security. If you notice what the Chargers are doing, Justin Herbert was a uh, you know a 4 you know academic uh, scholar. Uh, Rashawn Slater, he came from Northwest and was really smart. They are getting really smart uh, players uh, to f- to fit in their scheme. So love the Zion Johnson pick.
0: Me too. Can we stay here for a minute on Zion? Yeah, and I apologize. Yeah. So really prudent effort by the Los Angeles Chargers. Like no panic. Sat in their position didn't have to reach to get to a player. You've talked at great length about how the right tackle position was that of the greatest concern, IE storm Norton and other names that have been there for the year. I don't know. I, I, m- my personal belief, right. Is based on Zion's experience is he plugs in at guard, like right away, right? Like probably plays guard right away. Mm-hmm. Is he is he able to play tackle? Probably right. Like he probably has that capability. I know. Like I've seen, like Staley and other people say that this is not an indication that Filer is sliding outside, but that's what it indicates to me, right? <laughs> is that Filer yeah, I, sliding exactly outside I, the right tackle, and you just plugged a ten-year player in the in the interior part of your offensive line to protect what you and I were just talking about before I hit record your most prized possession
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: key to a playoff and deep playoff and maybe even super bowl appearance over the next two years is protecting number seven Rashawn Slater. You take Filer who is very capable and you slide him outside. That's an up. So not only did you just upgrade at guard, you also upgraded at right tackle. Why you upgraded at left tackle last year? And in a pinch, you mentioned that that word. You can play all. Over. You can move them all over the place. You can yeah, because the cause injury bug is,
1: is, is out there. So, like, let's not let's not like. Uh, I'm
0: a I'm a big fan of the Zion Johnson pick. I'm. And and I'm going to give credit where credit is due because you've been on the Zion Johnson bandwagon for a while, not even necessarily to your own team, right? I just saying think it was good. this guy is a good football player, and the Chargers did the prudent thing while people were jumping and leapfrogging and doing everything from 11 to 20, just like you mentioned, and they sat right there at 17, didn't have to reach and they got a guy that's going to blend in perfectly with that offense.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. Players I want, like I said, Jordan Davis. Chargers never thought Jordan Davis was actually going to make it to him. They thought he was going to go in the top fifteen. They knew they had competition from both the Ravens and Eagles. Uh, and as like I said, I wanted the offense to tra- uh, to be transcend uh, to, to transcend into something different this year. They did. They would have selected any of those top four wide receivers. That's a fact. But they were not going. They didn't have the the resources and assets to trade up for it. And they were just going to hope that maybe a lot of it falls to them. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But like I said, this was a safe, really good pick. You can never
0: build too much with offense and defensive line. I, this pick, I know everybody is enamored with the wide receivers this year. I'm not. And, and I've been vocal about this. Like, I'm not, right? Like, I'm not a big Drake London fan. Um I don't know if I buy into the hype of these Ohio state guys, you know, like I think the best Ohio state wide receiver is still actually at Ohio state Mm -hmm. and he's coming out next year. Um, But I think it's like the lack of perceived value of all these other players is what drove their value up. You know, who I'm very high on in this draft. um, And we'll we'll talk about that in, in short order. I don't think any one of those wide receivers, Maybe a Traylon Burks, because you can use him differently than you're using these other guys, might make an immediate impact on a team like the Chargers, because a lot of it does hinder on quarterback play and you have great quarterback play. Zion Johnson makes your team better now than any of those wide receivers would. That's just my opinion.
1: I really have no doubt in his ability, uh, to be honest with you. He is a beast. He has good size at yeah, 32 reps at the combine. I have no doubt that he's going to be a solid
0: uh interior offensive. Dude, he line. starts day 1. He yeah. he
1: starts and it's and he's and he's really smart, man. Yeah. He's really smart. You got to hear the playbook
0: him. is not going to be a problem. It's, it's not, not like going to be an issue whatsoever.
1: You got to hear him on his interview with like Brandon Thorne, who's like an offensive line uh, guru uh scout that like uh, he's known for his work and the the way he just explains uh, no, the, the importance of playing both tackle and uh, guard, uh, why it's so important to understand what your tackle is doing, uh, and the only way you really can understand what your tackle is doing is when you play tackle yourself. So just like he really gets it, he's really smart. So we're lauding the Chargers for their first-round pick. It follows up to the, they didn't have let's a second get, round. Let's
0: pick. get to this one because yeah, I know you're not. As I think we're gonna
1: have a debate about this. Yes, yeah, um, so we will. Uh, I'm not the type of guy, first of all, that's gonna say, "Oh, the second-round pick was Khalil Mack." Uh, Chargers social media did that. Thought it's kind of funny, but uh, I'm not that they didn't have a second round pick. They traded away to the Bears uh, for Khalil Max. So let's go to my least favorite pick, which is actually was the third round in JT Woods. Now JT Woods is a safety. They also have visions of him possibly uh, bumping out the corner back uh, from Baylor. And I get it. You would think, Wesson, I would love this pick because JT Woods literally tested out at the gym at the combine. He has good size. I think he's like Which six. Which you more. love. Which you I know, love and, uh, combine guys. I, I get it. I get it. So he has good size. He's like six, one ran a four, three, six, 40, 39 and a for 128. Broad jump. His ras- his relative athletic score was 9.43. All things that normally get me all like, uh, you know, it would turn me on. All right. And I get it. Also that Staley wants to make his secondary positional list. Meaning everyone in the back end can play multiple roles and be hard to identify who is, you know, who is what and frees up other people. He's going to free up Derwin James. All right. And once again, I also get it. He had eight interceptions in the last two years, but you know, at college, but this is Baylor, man. Right. What was the last good defensive player that came out of Baylor? I bet you don't even know. because Mike Singletary. All right. Baylor does not produce Better player than
0: head coach. I yeah. speak from experience. I
1: know. So Baylor does not produce. And you, you could say that's naive of, of me to say something like that, but no, I don't, I, I really don't believe it's not a defensive uh, producing powerhouse and it's eight interceptions over the last two years. Now, if you go back into the tape, like four or five of them were just literally when the court and the opposing quarterback was just throwing it up and like literally could just, you know, you know, you know, waved his hand for a fair catch. So it wasn't he really making a play on the ball. He just was able to come down with the ball. Uh, so I just felt like there was two things. This is what the third round like really set me off. I thought if I'm going to get heated down a little rant, I thought it was irresponsible of the Chargers for not trying to trade up ahead of the Ravens to get Travis Jones, the defensive tackle from UConn. Everyone and their mother knew that the Ravens were going to take Travis Jones because they missed out on Jordan Davis. This would have been a huge way to really fortify the, the interior of that defensive line and that interior of that defense. So I, I was really pissed the fact that, you know, they had plenty of picks to do so from that standpoint, not moving up in the first round, but you can move up in the third round and not give as much capital. So the fact that they didn't leapfrog uh, the Ravens, I thought was irresponsible and very complacent. All right, so let's say they didn't want to do that because they did want to, you know, keep some of their picks. <clears throat> There's other players I felt would have been a better fit. Marcus Jones, cornerback out of Houston, he's a good cornerback. He's really fast, and guess what? He provides special team value as a, as a returner. You know, they're trying to preach they want to improve their special teams. Why not kick the tires on Marcus Jones? I know this is a guy that you know, Nick Cross, safety, Maryland, because I know 49ers were really uh, uh, Twitter uh, people were really high on him. Uh, he's really athletic. I think he's more instinctual than uh, Woods, to be honest with you. It, but he doesn't give you that position flexibility. He, he's just uh, strictly safety. So um, did not like this pick with JT Woods. I felt like it was a reach. I felt like he was a fourth, a, fourth, a late fourth type uh, round type of guy there. All
0: right. So I disagree, obviously. Um, I... It's not that I'm so such a huge fan of JT Woods, the player. Uh, I think he has certain skill sets. I, you, dude, I mean, you mentioned the four, three, six, whatever, 40. I mean, this dude has Olympic track speed. He's a 100, 110 meter hurdle at like at the collegiate level, like national champion. Like his speed is different. Why I love it is you had mentioned. The Chargers' mentality and philosophy going into it. You you said versatility, actually for one, two, three, five, four of their first five picks. My first note next to all of them is versatility, and this guy is no different. He can play over the top, which lets you create number three, formerly number thirty-three, still so weird that box. That, yeah, I yeah, know into different positions now all of a sudden derwin looks looks like the fourth linebacker or the fifth linebacker depending on the alignment or if you're in a nickel or whatever it is like just let derwin do what derwin does right like he takes the running back out of the passing game he takes the tight end out of the passing game he takes the middle of the field away from 10 yards to the um to the line of scrimmage right like and now you can let him do those things and the most important thing that i think you're forgetting here and i don't say i'm not saying you're forgetting it but let me remind you of this is what did brandon staley make his bones with in the nfl his defense
1: the, the defense the back of end.
0: backs specifically yeah i'm going to trust that man more than i'm going to trust anybody else's philosophy based on who was on the board and say you in Brandon, I trust he knows what he's looking for to schematically fit his defense because it is his defense. Right. We're, we're very clear on this. Um, He's one of the few coaches out there now that like is not an offensive play caller as well. Right. Like he it, the defense is still his bread and butter. I just think this guy gives him the flexibility not to move. He, this guy can play slot. He played slot, right? So he could slide into slot just as easily. Um, But I think it more importantly gives them the flexibility to say, I can, I can now comfortably put Derwin anywhere on the field that I want to anywhere because I don't have, there's not a receiver in the league. That's going to beat this guy over the top. If I have him 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, cause he's a four, three guy. Yeah,
1: I also wonder if he's going to be like a Nazir Adderley replacement because both Nazir Adderley and Derwin James are
0: up for contracts after this year. Could be. So you can't pay gotta both. get gotta get younger and cheaper, and you got to yeah. make it. You got to pick your poison, right? Like, hey, deciding which player to play pay is a good problem to have because that means they're playing, right? Like mm-hmm. versus like uh, the lesser of two evils. All right, yep. so let's jump into that. That what what i'm going to tell you is my favorite pick they made but i'll let you talk about your fourth round pick
1: this is actually the most controversial from a a a charger fan standpoint uh pick i'm going to say the draft the Chargers in the fourth round selected isaiah spiller running back at texas a&m me i was fine with it it's a fourth round running back they needed someone behind to take the pressure off austin eckler um people were freaking out they didn't they thought. to waste a pick in the fourth round on the running back where you could have gotten one, two rounds later. Listen, I get it, but I think they found an immediate contributor in their backfield. And what's really going to do is going to teams are going to play those two high safety looks. You know, you throw spiller in there and let them pay because spiller I think is a really good runner. Uh, I understand why people are upset about spiller because he didn't test well, but, and I know uh, once again, I'm going against my laurels here. I, you know, I get he's not fast and he's not overly athletic from a relative athletic score type you know, standpoint. But the fact is this, he has good vision. He's powerful. He's only 20 years young. Uh, he has some wiggle to him. He's patient. Like I say, he has good vision and he has good hands. He caught seven to eight balls in college <laughs> and he did so in a pro style offense against a deteriorating offensive line in college. Uh, if you look at other running backs, you can be successful and not test well in the combine. And I made a point on my Twitter to you know, bring this out. Look at Dalvin Cook's combine uh, performance, Kareem Hunt, Arian Foster, Damian Harris. These are all solid running backs, if not better than solid, that uh, will, will dispel those, you know, those uh, relative athletic uh, you know, score truthers out there, such as myself, though. So what I'm hoping this does is this. Couple things. First, it takes Joshua Kelly uh, and uh, Larry Roundtree off the field. They have no; they're they're just simply not good uh, running backs. Secondly, it gives Austin Eckler it takes away that wear and tear. But here's another thing: the Chargers didn't draft a wide receiver, right? In the draft, I hope they get creative and have more of a two back two back running uh, two running back set, where they can maybe use Austin Eckler, flex him out to the slot and he'll be that yards that's a catch type of guy. Uh, I'm hoping to get creative. Don't forget, this is a New Orleans-style offense, right? They had Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. So I'm hoping that they get a little more creative with their running schemes and and their offense by doing something like that. I personally liked it, and now Isaiah Spiller getting him. If you got him in the second round, I would have been pissed. Got him in the fourth round, great value, and I just feel like an SEC guy coming in. He looked pissed that he waited, that it was that long. I want an SEC guy with a chip on his shoulder.
0: So I like the pick personally. This is argu- arguably my favorite pick. Uh, we'll have that conversation again in a, in a minute here, but arguably my favorite pick that this team made. Uh, you, Lou, specifically have talked at nauseum throughout the entire regular season that the Chargers needed a number, a true number two back. That you listen, Austin Eckler is a really good football player, right? But he's not an every down for three hundred plus carry running back. Like he's just not. He,
1: no, he is. He can't do it for years consecutively.
0: If you want, I I, I don't I don't th- I I don't think he is. Right? He I know he's built he by a little bowling ball, but like he's so like you just mentioned the two back set, right? I see, do, you, do you remember Dave Meggett for the New York Giants? Of course I do. Like, he invented this, right? Where, like, all of a sudden, this running back, like, he was, like, your traditional, like, third down running back, passing situations, blah, blah, blah. But the Giants, once upon a time, had a relatively creative offense, and they'd line him up in the slot, and they'd send him in motion, and they do these things, and he's a mismatched nightmare against linebackers, even safeties. Austin Eckler is that, is that same thing. He's got wiggle. You know what I mean? Like, he's just got that wiggle. So, let me – you mentioned SEC player, uh, a two-time first team, all SEC running back, by the way. So let's not forget that. I won't get into the stats. So not only did they find that number two back, they found a really good one. And, Lou, let me be the first one to tell you this. And you know how I like making bold statements. So be ready to copy, paste, screenshot, do whatever it is that you said. By the time this season's over – There will be a 60 40 split in work in the backfield in favor of Spiller over Eckler. That's how much I believe in this guy and what he's going to do for you. He is a third down back. You mentioned 78 catches in a pro style offense. In college, you don't throw to your running back a lot, right? You don't see, like, Alvin Kamara-esque years where you catch 90 balls in the season and, you know, get the ball handed off to you 130, 140 times. Like, that. that rookie year that he had, which was, like, unprecedented. And years that he's had since. I'm telling you, Charger fans, if you hate this pick now, you're all you're thinking about is like, why do we need a running back in the fourth? And you're just being a fanboy and loving like Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree. This guy will make you change your mind. You got a really, really good football player who's going to take a lot of pressure off the offense. And again, I let me repeat myself 60 40 split by the end of the season as you're going into the playoffs. Cause I will predict you to be a playoff bound team this year in favor of Isaiah Spiller over um austin eckler
1: so two things first of all i just was happy that it's a fourth it's a fourth round pick right using the fourth round chargers trying to draft you know trying to draft a a special teams contributor as opposed to a medium full-time contributor so i just happy it wasn't so i i'm happy i didn't go who in the fourth round so i was happy with
0: that i guess i should always hedge my bet and say barring injury right like (laughs) i should always say that like barring injury
1: so secondly um I think he'll be successful behind this revamped offensive line of the Chargers, too, which leads me to my best value pick uh, in, in this draft. Uh, so, uh, coming, I think it was like the sixth round, the pick 195, this, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers take uh, guard from Georgia, Jamari Sawyer. Um, this was a third round prospect. Uh, he was a top, uh, according to Brandon Thorne, who I, m- I mentioned and alluded to before, uh, he was a top five interior offensive linemen. When you're a top five interior offensive lineman in the draft, that usually means you're getting drafted in round three. So the fact that they got him in, uh, you know, round six was highway robbery. This guy is big. He's nasty. Six, 321 pounds, long arms. He's physical. He's played all four. He's played four positions up and down the offensive line of Georgia, Georgia in the sec. All right. So he's had success. He's a champion, you know, with Georgia. This guy, once again, we, we talked about with uh, <clears throat> Isaiah Spiller, another SEC player that had no business being there with a chip on his shoulder. Now, he, listen, he provides him great depth a- along the offensive line. I love this pick. This pick, when I when they picked Jameer Sawyer, uh, uh, I felt like, oh, that's their third-round pick, and J.T. Woods is their fourth-round pick. I That's literally – I felt a Just little
0: slide better it around, slide exactly. it around.
1: I felt instantaneously better as soon as I heard his name go into Los Angeles chargers.
0: So this is a common theme. Cause I'll talk about this with the 49ers and I'll, I'll bring up that same set uh, sentiment. So I actually love this pick as well. This is the one that I was teetering on the fence with between like Isaiah Spiller and, and Salyer. I mentioned before about like filer sliding out. And I know Brandon Staley said that they don't necessarily even know if they want that. Like, Sawyer played left tackle at Georgia. Didn't he, he not? Did. Right? Like yeah. so don't tell me this guy's not capable of going. I know he's played the guard position. I know everything else but like can he go compete for right tackle? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like why not? Played left tackle. Pe- he can do the it in SEC. a pinch, I
1: think. I, I I just think uh his athleticism is to be desired against the pass rushers in the AFC West. Now, he could play in a game. Yeah. He could be adequate in a game, but I don't think he'd be your long term right
0: tackle answer right there. I'm just, okay. So let's play devil's advocate here. You're starting t- week one, it's against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. Are you starting this guy or Storm Norton? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's a no brainer. So, that being so said, how I, how it's I, it's all relative. It's all how, relative.
1: How I envision it in the offensive line would be left tackle. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, uh, What's his name? Slater. uh, Yeah, I don't know why I'm drawing. It's late, so that's why. uh, Left tackle Slater, left guard bow between him and there's another gentleman on on the squad, uh, Brandon Hymas. So I think he can actually. uh, Those two are going to battle for left guard, in my honest opinion. You got center Lindsay, right guard Zion Johnson, and right tackle Matt Filer. I mean, that's a pretty. That's a pretty nice. It's an upgrade. It's a pretty nice first little offensive line. So yep.
0: so, so real quick, because I know you didn't mention them, but I wanted to bring it up because you were very upset about – so your fifth-round pick, 160 overall, Otitu Banya, mm. defense tackle from UCLA. I know you were upset about the Travis Jones thing, right? And you called it irresponsible to yeah. not go get Travis Jones. I think they did their best to rectify that with a six four, three 320-pound defensive tackle, another man-eater. But the reason why I don't think they were so hell-bent on Travis Jones is because they were active at defensive tackle in free agency with Sebastian Joseph Day. Yeah, but um, not... The kid from the Not on the same level, same body type, same whatever it might be, but, like, this guy is a Travis Jones body type. I'm not saying he's Travis Jones, right? But they tried to get, like, the 1C version of Travis yeah. Jones yeah, a couple that. rounds later. Is yeah. there... Are there any... Undrafted free agents that you were excited about. No, awful. Awful.
1: Okay. They have not been good in like, I want to say three years, their classes. So I did not highlight them. I can give you my final draft grade if you would like.
0: Yeah, sure. Throw it at me.
1: So I'm a tough, I'm not one of those uh, pansy ass people that gives everyone B's and A's and shit like that. I am a tough uh, grade. uh, You know, I do not grade on a curve. So I think C's average, right? I think this is a little above average this grade, uh, this draft class. I give it a C plus. Okay. Uh, so and which I think is fair. Don't forget, they didn't have their second round pick. That's a, yep. that's a that's a pretty important thing. So to get a C plus and not have a second round pick, I think that's pretty, you know, pretty fair and pretty good. I think, like I said, it it, it it makes them stronger It makes them it helps them play bully ball, which I've been clamoring for years because they've always been a finesse team. And the only time they've been really successful is when they had that dominant offensive line back in the day and that dominant front seven on that defense. So uh, it looks like they're starting to make their way back towards that bully ball. All
0: right. So C plus for the, for the draft. All right, cool. So let's slide into the Niners here. Um, Obviously didn't have a first round pick uh, trading that away this year. And next year as part of the, the Trey Lance package Um, hopefully is your future quarterback. So our first pick was number 61 overall in the second round. And they went with, Edge rusher Drake Jackson out of USC. I don't want to say I'm a big fan of this pick, but I'm a I'm a fan of the pick. I'm more of a fan of the pick because you know the 49ers of late when they're the good team, right? And they're ascending. So when we made a Super Bowl appearance and an NFC championship appearance, a lot of that was predicated on the defense, and a lot of that was predicated on pass rush specifically. Uh, obviously d ford is is will never be d ford again he'll never be on this team that's a, a a done deal that's a wrap so who do you get to go opposite of a healthy nick bosa what i like about drake is he's a pretty raw athlete and when i say like raw athlete like he's very athletic but he's been playing in Multiple schemes, he's never had a home, he's never had a true position. Right? Like, they've lined him up at the equivalent of an outside linebacker. One year he was heavier, played with his hand in the dirt. So, this last year, they he was playing around like 240, 250 when he's probably should be like a 270, 280 pound guy and just put his hand in the dirt, which is what he will do in San Francisco. There will be no illusions. Uh, there will be no dropping back and, and covering tight ends and running backs out of the flat. His job will be, you will be single team because we have ninety seven on the opposite side. Go after the quarterback and early in the year it'll be specifically on third down, right? So he will be like a spash, uh, a pass rush specialist. He's got really good bend. Uh, like there's just a lot to like about his athleticism. And when I think about just kind of pairing this guy with Chris Kasurik, who we all know is like a a legend in terms of coaching these defensive coaches and what he turned Kerry Hyder into and Arden Key into and what he's done with so many of these guys along the way, I think this is a perfect landing spot for someone like Drake Jackson because it's going to be like, we get it. We hold nothing that has happened to you in the past against you. This is literally what we are going to ask you to do. And we have one of the best teachers in the NFL to teach you how to do it effectively. So, to me, a win in the sense of, like, maybe on paper not this, like, glaring position of need, but while I still always tell you that my logic is pass coverage is better than pass rush, we're still in a league where you can never have enough pass rush. So... Uh, right pick right just right pick is the way that I look at it all
1: right Um, first of all I see what you did there uh, because we do have budding opinions when it comes to defense Uh, but all right so I love this pick all right so I was a and I was a big fan of them uh, spending their first round pick on a premium position like an edge rusher I thought it was really smart intelligent of them to add to their strength as opposed to reach for a weakness uh, so I know like we alluded to before, Nick Cross was a, a, a player that a lot of people uh, projected to the 49ers, but I would have Drake Jackson, obviously, from a player uh, talent standpoint ahead of Nick Cross. Uh, and, yeah, you hit a lot of things. He, You know, he's quick. He's athletic. He has some bend. He has long arms, 34-inch arms, uh, which is really important, especially from an edge rusher. He played better. He tried to become a speed rusher last year. I think that's what you were alluding to before, and that's not his game. Obviously, I think he wanted to play speed rush, uh, a play as a speed rusher at two forty six. And the reason being is because he wanted to get drafted earlier. It's, it's speed rushers always looked, you know, more favorable than your power rushers. But when he's heavier, he's always played better. Uh, and you kind of stole my thunder here. Uh, he is another toy for that San Francisco defensive line coach uh chris Kuceric. i I made a note to put that in there because I wanted to impress you the fact that I'm like you know you he, all you guys do is just cultivate defensive line talent, even people that have been like uh, castaways from other teams uh you guys do a good job of you know uh with that defensive line talent and just really uh uh creating you know uh, more talent with them
0: yeah i i like, I'm not gonna be a dead horse like the pick um I honestly don't believe. The 49ers ever once as an organization felt pressured to go find a safety and Joukowsky Tart's gone, right? And and I do think um, the NFL is sleeping on the value of Joukowsky Tart. I was always a big fan of him. I think he's a great player. I would love to see him back here. But I don't think the 49ers felt pressured. They brought in Odom from – uh uh indy i believe right like so somebody that they think could slide in people quickly forget that Tarvarius moore who tore his achilles really or like at the start like in camp last year was close to maybe even starting over tart the way that he was coming on to play that position and you get him back for another year so i think they were a little like hey let's see like i don't think they felt pressure to get across or trade up to get like a jalen petrie or someone like Somebody that the, the fan base was enamored with that we see as a position of need. I think the 49ers were more like, again, you can never have enough pass rush. Let's make sure Chris Kosarek and let's make sure D'Amico Ryans have all the toys that they need to get after the quarterback, etc. cetera. So then things get interesting for the 49ers. So their next pick, so they had two third-round picks. Their first was at the 93 overall. And for the second consecutive year – They decided to burn a third round. At least they didn't trade up for this one like they did last year when they took Trey Sermon. But we took another running back in Tyron Davis Price from LSU. So this was knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, a head-scratcher for me for sure. I just mentioned consecutive years of drafting a running back in the third round from a coach who typically gets the world out of 6th, 7th, and Sixth and seventh round running backs and undrafted free agent running backs and makes a killing with these guys. Right. And moves them for like assets when he's done and over with and they're they're burned out. But it also is telling me like, okay, because I liked Trey Sermon. In fact, in the limited time that Trey Sermon saw on the field, he was actually pretty productive. And so. What happened here? Is this like Joe Williams all over again when Kyle Shanahan pounded the table for the dude from Utah um, who like quit on his team and then came back in his senior year and Kyle had to have him? Like, is, is is that what happened with Sermon? So on the on the first on the surface, it makes it feel like last year's pick and this year's first third round pick felt like wasted pick. So when I Went back and watched like tape on him, right? Highlights and just kind of loaded some LSU games. I actually really liked what I saw from him, you know, like a, another SEC running back, a thousand yard rusher. He can pound it in between the tackles. He runs physical. Um, he's a big dude that's not slow. Like, this is still a four four, a four four guy, you know what I mean? This is not like a, a four seven. I'm guy so he can move. So I'm going to be a a Shanahan fanboy here for a minute and just say, let him draft his running backs. Like we know what he does with running backs. He's what I think this pick means is maybe a little let, you know, what's the bit, what's been the, the, the trait for the 49ers, that outside zone scheme, right? Like getting to the edges. All right. The taped out there. Maybe this guy lets you go in between the tackles a little bit. A nice compliment to Elijah Mitchell, who maybe you know, we saw him wear down at the end of last year. We saw no Roheem Moster to make it through the year. Jamichael Hasty banged up throughout the year. Like you just saw, like I think people quickly forget that like Debo in the role that he was in that wide back looked really good. Like it looked genius, right? But it also was out of necessity. Like, they were literally paper thin at running back out of the gate. The goal was never to have Elijah Mitchell, like, number one, right? Like, he was a a sixth-round draft pick. Like, he was going to come in time, and then it just ended up that way. So, you're putting depth there. You're putting quality there. And what I love about Kyle Shanahan is he doesn't give a shit where he drafted you, where he found you, whatever. He's going to ride the hot hand. He's going to ride the hot hand. So, the more people that you put there – that allow him to ride the hot hand and, and maybe just take a little bit off, you know, what is Debo saying? I don't want to be in that wide back position. I want to be a wide receiver, right? So you go find a little bit more depth. That's, that's, that's all that is. Do I love that it was a third round pick? Absolutely not. Would he if this exact individual been there at in the fourth round or in the fifth round? Probably but I'm never gonna back off my statement. And my statement is always go get your guy. I don't care who it is, when it is, what it is, like it's your job on the line. Go get your guy, play your card, play your hand, like do what do what it you know. Like I, I'll make a poker analogy, right? Like everybody gets mad when somebody stays in there with a two seven, right? And and then they end up winning that game on the river, that hand on the river, or whatever it is. You know what? It's their money. It's their cards. They played their hand. Like, go play your hand. I'm not going to try. I'm not, not going to call it. Hold on, You're right. Ready? You're, right. I'm, you're I'm, right. No matter gonna what you're going to say, say, you're right.
1: I'm going to preface this. I'm not trying to be a dick. No, you're right. It.
0: I'm not saying you're wrong. Why? Why? Why
1: Why is it, why, why was this the pick? Uh, well, you stated before you have Eliza Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon. Are you really giving up Trey, uh, up, uh, Trey Sermon over one year? Uh don't like the pick whatsoever, actually hated the pick. Uh, and then you have to look at who else was on the board. All right, Nick Cross, Cross to replace uh Tart. Okay. Uh, that would have been, I think, a, a better use of uh capital right there. How about Zach Tom out of Wake Forest to provide some depth and stability amongst the interior offensive line, especially where Zach Tom will from Wake Forest will really provide value as a center? Guess what? You guys have issues right now. If I correct me if I'm wrong at the center position. You don't know what's going to happen with Alex Mack.
0: You, you're you not wrong. All I, right. I, I, so, I said well, no matter uh, what you were going to say about this pick, you are right. What about I'm Darian? I'm just trying to put oh, a oh, positive spin on it.
1: I, I get it. You're being like – I'm not like that. If it's a bad pick for my team, it's a bad pick. I will not talk myself into it, a la JT Woods. All right. How about Darian Kennard to provide some insurance plan for Mike McGlinchey? All right. Mike McGlinchey is coming up on a contract, a, you know, possible fifth year option stuff like that. I don't think did they did I pick that up on him? Well, regardless,
0: I think they did pick up their fifth year. Okay, run, but like he's yes, been banged
1: did. up the last you know eighteen months or so. And it's been more serious than I feel like uh, you know your nine you fans have realized until like uh, you know Lynch you know stated. But how about Canard to you know be a nice excuse me swing tackle or you can move him to guard too, probably where he's more suitable. I just thought, and I'm not trying to sound like a hypocrite because it's two different situations that you wasted a pick on a non-premium position. Now you say, oh, the Chargers did the same thing. Chargers needed. They had Austin Eckler and no one. You guys, uh, you know, had three running backs and all fairly young. I just don't understand the pick. Don't like the pick. Um, And outside of last year, he really wasn't productive his first two years. But, hey. You know, you say Shanahan is the running back whisperer. He wasn't with Joe Williams, but we'll see what happens. Like, uh, who? what do I know?
0: Yeah, I, and, and that's the spin I'm putting on it. What do I know? You got to trust a guy that loves his running backs. It is what it is. Um, I, I, I'll give my grade, and my grade is reflective of this because I don't love – while I am starting to like the player, I'd like the player a lot more if it was with pick like 172 in the fifth round, right. Versus 93, but I live and die by. If you have a guy, this is what you pay your people for. Just go get your guy. Just, just take your guy. Right. And, and let us kick it around. Let Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay give their draft grades and and you move on. And you, you know, you're either laughing all the way to the bank or, you know, you're not. So, a couple I want to get through a a couple more real quick so we did have two uh, third round picks as I mentioned so uh, the last one was 105 it was actually the last pick of the second day of the NFL draft on Friday night and it was used on wide receiver Danny Gray from SMU I love the pick Mm -hmm. actually I love the pick for a couple reasons first of all we talked before about JT Woods and like track speed like Danny Gray's got track speed, right? This is a low 4'3 guy. This is not a high 4'3 guy. This is a low 4'3 guy. But he's not just a – I'm not knocking this player because I actually love this man as a human being, uh, Mark, Marquise Goodwin, right? Like an Olympian, like literally an Olympian track speed guy, high 4'2 guy, but not – route runner not a polished wide receiver like that came with time like danny gray is smooth he's a fluid route runner he's gonna stretch defenses but most importantly to me is this truly signifies the transition to trey if jimmy is still your starting quarterback this is a this is a wasted pick and a player that's not going to acclimate well here. I think he's also somebody that like you can get the ball to um in space, closer to the line of scrimmage, make a player miss and if he makes one miss like he's it's house, like it's a house call all day long. But it's more importantly is it's a it's a dual threat, right? Like a a wide receiver who can take the top off of a defense coupled with a quarterback that you actually have to consider can make the throw and reach him, right? Like (laughs) they all tout Trey, uh, Trey Lance's arm strength, right? Like it's got big arm strength. Like even John Lynch coming out and saying, Trey's going to have a really hard time overthrowing this guy, right? Like, and, but there's a purpose to that. Like it's one thing to have a, a wide receiver who can stretch the defense and then having a quarterback that there's no threat that that actually matters, right? Like let that guy run 50 yards downfield. I'll be 20 yards underneath him in coverage. And by the Paul, by the time the ball gets to him, I'll be sitting there waving for a fair catch and pick it off anyway, 10 yards short of the target. Um, but I, I love the player. I love what it signifies. Uh, uh, as disappointed as I initially was over the, the previous pick with, with Davis price, Walking out of night two of the NFL draft, I felt some sort of relief with the the Danny Gray pick, especially with a lot of uncertainty still around Debo, right? Like I do think Danny Gray is a wide receiver who can come in and based on getting cute and creative with him can make an impact out of the gate like week one, like can make an impact just by lining him up outside and saying, I got to account for that guy because he, he can run by me.
1: Yeah, and I also think what you're missing. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, your special teams—the Niners' special teams—with nothing special uh, at all uh, no. last year. Pun-, pun intended. Danny Gray can provide some juice in that kick and punt return too. Uh, I like Danny Gray, so that one I, I-, I will give you that—you know,
0: two thumbs up. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jumble this a little bit because you just mentioned. All right, 49er fans were irate of when the the davis price pick came in because like you'd mentioned right there there are some questions around along the offensive line lakin tomlinson is now a new york Mm -hmm. jet what does the interior look like mike mcglinchey with that injury is banks last year's second round pick ready to go i think we're actually a little higher on banks than a lot of people would indicate like there's no surprise that he didn't really find the field a lot last year because there wasn't opportunities for him and he was coming to a different you talked about this when we recapped the draft last year didn't feel like he fit the scheme right out of the gate, right? So you gave him some time, learn the offense, get acclimated to the NFL, things of that nature. So I good think good memory, Banks, good memory, Weston. Dude, I remember. Dude, I do remember. I also think they, um, you know, there's there there was a oh God. Why am I drawing a blank? More, um, that they they drafted last year as well. That uh, Jalen Moore that they drafted last year that I think they think can play interior as well. But in the fourth round and in the sixth round, they did address the offensive line. So quickly in the fourth round, a a tackle out of University of Texas at San Antonio, Spencer uh, Buford. I love this guy. I love his tape. I didn't know anything about him. I'll be the first to admit it. Had to go back, watch film, watch clips, do all that. Plays mean. Um, He's going to have the ability to learn from Trent Williams. Long arms. They play very similar. But we use this term versatility as well. He can even probably slide inside to make an impact. And then they hedge their bet with that, going in the sixth round, going with the offensive lineman, Nick Zekelj from Fordham, who's going to immediately become my favorite player should he make the 53-man roster. Go Fordham Rams. Uh, There are very few of them in the NFL. I think this makes the second. Uh, Chase, uh, shout out to you, brother. But that being said, I covered – Zakelj in the uh related to the senior ball. He didn't have the best senior ball. I'm the first to admit it. But he oh, stood no. up, showed up in the stat sheet, penalty ridden. I get all of that. But this was his first at the at the NFL level, he's a guard. He played, he was a four year starter at Fordham. He was there for five years. A four year starter at Fordham, at left tackle, team captain, all Patriot League, etc. What I like about him is I know the academics are requires to get into Fordham and they don't actually care that you can play a sport. That's not relevant, right? Like this is like the same treatment that like North, um, Northwestern and other schools, Boston college, you know, that they all hold the, their, their players accountable for. So I know he's intelligent. I know he's a team captain. I know he's a team, like a team leader, but they played Nebraska this year, right? So Fordham played a 1A program, and yes, i that's how old I am. I still say 1A and, and, and 2A. I don't say FCS and FBS. I don't care about any of that. And he dominated at Nebraska. He didn't just hold his own. He was flattening edge rushers from the Big 12 Conference, right? So I know he can play. I know, but it's going to be a transition. There'll be a long tail to this. So, forty nine er fans like breathe a little bit. They're like, "Oh, okay, maybe we are handling the offensive line." Do you, so. There's two. Ah, God, I actually. All right, so I want to talk about. Yeah, cover the other teams, Wes. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I want to talk about in the fifth round. You know what? I'll, I'll skip this. In the fifth round, they did draft a quarterback, Sam, uh, Samuel Womack, out of Toledo. I think this guy's a, a slot guy all day. Like he's five nine, but he's a four three forty guy. He's got stupidly long arms. Like his arm length is the same as Richard Sherman, who stands six three, right? And he's five nine, so he's like with his speed and that length, like he's going to eat some people up in the slot, and that's huge with Kwan being gone. But I want to go to my favorite pick in this draft. Favorite pick for the 49ers. The State? Picks I actually made. No, I do really like Castro Fields, though. I, yeah, I, I, I do really like, like him. Yeah, That was one of my one-on-ones I liked a little better. I do like him. I'm not going to get into it. I'm, like, under, I'm like overwhelmed that we got him in the sixth round because I, I think his tape is way better than that. But our other sixth-round pick at two twenty uh, 220 overall, defensive tackle Kalia Davis from UCF. I love this pick. We talked about defensive. This is like the place where defensive linemen come. He's probably going to miss the entire year. Most likely. Towards ACL after like four or five games in 2021. Didn't play in 2020. Opted out um, due to COVID. But he... Dude, he is so fluid and so athletic. And every draft pundit talks about his first step being mesmerizing in elite from a, a speed perspective and getting off blocks. And Lou, when you use your own words, where do you say pass rush is the most difficult to defend from the middle, the middle. And that's exactly where he does it from in a six foot fr- a six foot one, six foot two, 300 plus pound frame. Um, I, I, You're not going to hear his name in 2022. You're not. You're not going to hear it. But to me, this is one of those future investment picks. You get this guy. He's sitting there. He's just on the whiteboard watching tape, learning from Kosarik, who wants nothing else but to be a defensive line coach. Like This guy has every opportunity to go somewhere else, and it's all he wants to do is just be a defensive line coach. He's going to – I'm going to revisit this clip. And in 2023, we're going to be talking about Kalia Davis again and how he's going to come onto the scene. I love everything about this pick. You also mentioned the Castro Fields. I love that too. But so let me, let me tell you my draft grade for the 49ers. I'm a – you said C's average. I would give this a C. I would give this a C. I like a lot of the players, um, but I don't love like when, how, why, where, especially with that third-round pick. Hard to judge a team when you don't even have a first-round pick. Your first You're pick right. that you make is, is 61 overall. So it's a C. It's an average. But where the bell curve happens for me is in the undrafted free agents. So we actually signed 14 of them. I, I Listeners, I'm not going to go through 14 of them. I won't bore you to death. <laughs> but there are three that jump off the charts at me. You kept mentioning like Nick Cross throughout all this, and I said I don't think the 49ers feel pressed to take a safety. But once we started getting into like round four, round five, whatever, there was a player that I was like, I want this guy. can't understand why he's not coming off. You mentioned SEC players with chips on their shoulders. So let me introduce you to Leon O'Neal Jr. Safety out of Texas A&M. Just go turn on his tape. It's solid. And with Tart gone, He's going to get – I know we brought in Odom in the offseason. Hufunga was a pick last year. Hufunga is not a starter in this league. I'm just sorry, 49er fans. He's not. You'll remember him because he returned a touchdown on a block punt against the Packers in Lambeau in a game we had no business winning, but we won it anyway, um, et cetera. And I know Tavares Moore potentially coming back, but I'm telling you, this undrafted free agent is going to have a chance to compete, and I think he will make a really strong – compelling case to be your starting I'll call it strong. see the, the, their safeties are interchangeable so I'll just call them a strong safety in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers and 49er fans were I'm i am no, I'm no different than a lot of them like where's the O'Neal pick where's the O'Neal pick like cool okay we took the Oh, oh cool we took um, you know whom, whomever we took even with the Mr. Irrelevant pick where we took QB Brock Purdy I was like this has got to be Leon O'Neill Jr and it wasn't and then lo and behold um, he comes to the 49ers as an undrafted free agent and then the other two you mentioned center skepti- you know being skeptical about like what's Alex Mack's uh, scenario etc so Donovan West from Arizona State another guy who's played a lot of the positions on the offensive line and we probably brought him in as a center right like that's what, what our interest is Another name that 49er fans from the fourth round on were like, take West here, take West here, take West here. And then lo and behold, he comes, excuse me, as an undrafted free agent. But my favorite, well, I I do really love the Leon O'Neal one, but offensive lineman Jason Poe from Mercer College. Did you see our boy Shrakes this morning um, with Tom Pelissero going through some of their favorite undrafted picks so schrags put uh poe up there but this is a big big man who can move he put up 30 so he went to um georgia's pro day so he went to georgia's pro day put up 34 reps on the bench at 225 has a you're talking about a man who's 290 pounds maybe ish 31 and a half inch vertical ran off oh, excuse me he's th- he's over 300 ran a 48940 yeah. and mercer played alabama this year and he was blocking everybody dude blocking everybody he was not getting beat against your national championships at the collegiate level the alabama crimson tide what i love even more about him is he put his own tape out there and if you haven't seen this yet i'll send it to you as a follow, where yeah. he's running routes dude chris Routes catching the ball on the it, move, looking like a oh, tight yeah, end. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah yo. There's your wide back right there, yeah. <laughs> Bro.
0: Listen, I, I'm, I have no illusions. Is Jason Poe going to be on the 53 man roster like week one? No, he's hmm, not. practice squad. But he will be a coveted stashed practice spot. <laughs> and Kyle Shanahan will find a way to get him onto the 46 man roster at some point in the season. And you don't know where this man, like, dude. In college, he did it all. Like he literally played tight end. He literally lined up at fullback. He literally lined up at quarterback in a in a wildcat. Like he does things that Kyle's gonna be like, we talk about versatility all the time. Like that man's on the field. What are you gonna do about it? So those are my three. My undrafted free agent grade for the 49ers, and I can go further than this, is actually an A. So my draft grade is a C. My undrafted free agent grade is an A. But because undrafted free agents don't count as much as the, your drafted rookies are, that would nudge me to a C-plus overall. Okay.
1: So you gave like 14 different grades. I think you gave half the letters in the alphabet. So uh, Stop, stop. Yeah, I, gave, uh, I, gave, I gave two. What's, <laughs> what is the final grade?
0: If I include both of those together, a C-plus. Fin- C-plus. Okay. Uh, what did you give the charges for a grade? I didn't give the Chargers a grade. I would have given them. I would have given them a, a B-. minus. Okay, I think you're a little more generous than me. Um, looking at this
1: draft class, and once again, I'm not trying to throw shade. But yeah, I always say C is average. I think it's and the reason it's no fault to you know to the Niners because they don't have that first round pick. Didn't like the third round pick. So what I'm really looking at is your you know your second pick and the second uh, your second round pick and your second third round pick as. The real people, I feel comfortable when it comes to uh, a team that needs more contribution. That's because you guys are close. It's not like you guys are rebuilding. I think you need more contributors. I I mentioned some names I thought could have been uh, better selections uh, over Price, Davis Price. I give you guys, and I know I'm probably gonna get a lot, you know, heat on this, but like I said, I'm a tough grader. C uh, minus, a
0: little below average. I'm I'm not mad at you because I don't love the draft I told you that I like Womack I like Castro fields uh kalia is not going to contribute right away so like it's hard to factor into him like I literally would use him as my grading for like next year depending upon who they pick but you liked Castro fields too but I this is why I'm so high on the undrafted free agent class is because there are players that they literally secured that 49er fans if they picked that player in the fourth round even draft opponents would be like Pff- that's what they were supposed to do. And well, they Wes, just got them undrafted.
1: Yeah. Well, Wes, you're doing with every fan I feel like does right now is the fact that you by now you're talking yourself into picks. I'm
0: not, like, I'm not. I'm no disillusioned. I just told you that. And I'm not a disillusion I'm not delusional. Like Jason Poe's not gonna be on the rot like he's gonna be on the practice squad, but he's not gonna be on the story. starting roster. But if you surveyed other 49er fans, they're like, this guy's gotta be on the 46, bro you can line them up like see you later Debo that that's our wide back you know what I mean like that's like that's how crazy some of these people like literally are I think I'm being fair saying that to me their draft was a C if I couple in the undrafted free agents that I'm giving an like literally an A to I'm no disillusion that I round that up to a C plus I don't even put that in B territory
1: okay okay so I think we now let's pivot right and then to some of our favorite drafts and least favorite drafts we'll start with uh uh, some of the favorite drafts uh, from this past week. Now, <clears throat> for me, I think who it's- won the
0: draft, Lou? Who won the draft? Uh,
1: see, all right. Honestly, who won the draft? I'm going to say the Eagles, and let me tell you why. Uh, you know, I was looking at what the Eagles did. You know, throughout, you know, throughout last week, they had that forced trade feature on, and the fact that they what they got for AJ, they got AJ Brown for that selection. And then on draft night, I love the fact that they uh, added Jordan Davis, you know, some, you know, with uh, Fletcher Cox, you know, in his last year of his deal, love the cam Jurgens because Kelsey is on his last year's deal. Uh, love the Kobe Dean pick. And, you know, those are all really solid selections and Oh yeah. I think they have two first rounders next year. So I think they hit it you know, out, of the, out of the park. Um, but I think it's your usual suspects. I mean, by now everyone should know who won. You know, some of the winners of the draft. People say the Giants. Uh, they had the their first two picks were phenomenal. The rest of the draft was eh, okay. But you know, Thibodeau and Neal were perhaps the best offensive lineman and edge rusher out there. Uh, and then the Jets. You know, they did a great job of adding some flash to a team that was for years was just mainly meat and potatoes, like offensive linemen, defensive linemen. So they did a good job there and then the Ravens they had a draft like I would on one of those like mock draft simulators it was so good it was almost unbelievable like it, I thought it was phenomenal but those are the people I really want to highlight
0: um, Well you just I, named every team in the goddamn NFL and now you, what I, am I supposed to talk about I didn't I didn't I didn't talk,
1: I didn't, huh, I didn't talk yeah, about the, you're the right, players you're right you're, like, right, you know, you're right Those are the teams I am going to say who really won the draft I thought the Eagles you know by now you hear the usual suspects I would like to kind of go a little deeper into you know, some of the uncommon teams that they're not getting uh, the accolades. I feel like they should be, but let's for you, you know, I will digress. I'll let you go first. Tell me a winner or two that you think.
0: All right. So I will go into a little bit more detail and say why around a particular team. Cause you did a little bit with the Eagles. And for yeah. me, I mean, the Eagles are obvious. The AJ Brown trade puts it over the top. You mentioned their first three picks, all stellar, all yeah. for crazy reasons. But I'm going to go into detail around the the Baltimore Ravens. I just, ugh, dude, they just draft so well. Like, I don't even know how else to put it. They draft so well. Like, I mean, dude, they just kind of sat there and like, okay, Kyle Hamilton falls into their lap, and it's like, all right, maybe a little redundant, but we know how they covet, covet defensive backs, and like, how do you, you get a player like Kyle Hamilton? And be like, I don't even have to put you on the field right away, right? Like ridiculous and then who did i mock to them if they stayed pat right like in the first round center tyler lindenbaum what did i say that their offense moves around that that center that center quarterback relationship and quarterbacking the offensive line then you had david ojabo right so who goes from just i can keep going on right a, a guy who's potentially a legit like top 10 talent until he ruptured his achilles like on this, what was it the second to last design snap of like his pro day like are you kidding me that just I know happened.
1: for a, so real quick I know for a fact well, Ajabo was definitely going
0: top seventeen and how I know that I know for a fact that because the charges would have been all over him dude yeah a hundred percent
1: I know that for a fact So no,
0: seventeen other teams that picked before him that well less than seventeen some of had multiple picks play of teams right let's say ten other teams that would have had to seriously consider that you mentioned Travis Jones. Right. Like just like an embarrassment of riches that these guys get and they do it with like with ease. Right. And it's like it went from Ozzie Newsom to who's their general manager now. I don't even know. I, I thought my head Yeah, drawing a blank, but like it's 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 the it's the same story for the last 15 or 16 years in Baltimore. Like they just
1: can I throw a little shade to them?
0: Yeah.
1: Who's the thrown to? Because if you notice, I don't see – looking at their draft there, I don't see a, a wide receiver on there. They traded away Marquise Brown. So even though they did get phenomenal value, uh, with, uh, you know, from offensive line standpoint and on the defensive standpoint as well, what the hell are they doing, uh, you know, at the wide receiver position? Now, I know there's still – you're a third, uh, third wave of
0: free agency, but – Okay. So you're forgetting two very important things. First – forgetting who their offensive coordinator is, Greg Roman. You need there is, it, 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 it's this is why Marquise wanted out in the first place. And nothing I mean, dude, his his best friend is Lamar Jackson, right? Like they became like best buddies, but he's just like offense doesn't go through me anymore, man. It goes through the tight end and it goes through the running game. That's what Greg Roman does. And I again have first-hand experience three consecutive NFC championship games with the San Francisco 49ers. Where Greg Roman was our offensive coordinator, and wide receivers were like irrelevant. You know, it was Vernon Davis, Vernon Davis, and it was a heavy run game and stout defense. That's how that team won. I know, but I'm looking you're at you're also the... forgetting our man, Batsman. <laughs> you are forgetting Rashawn I'm not, I'm, I'm not. So they, have Rash- <laughs>
1: they have Rashawn Bateman. All right. I, I like Rashawn Bateman, Devin Duvernay, and James Proche that is their that is their receiving core. it's not
0: good i mean bateman's a good player and i i i listeners, think i know his good. name is not batsman but i am recalling from our when fantasy we were on football a, show when we we're Jason on a ponte Fonte. show with that guy obviously a typing error put batsman mm-hmm. and we've since referred to him batsman and i'll never forget about his response mm-hmm. was like yo how are you gonna do me like that <laughs> no it's true listen
1: they had i'm just nitpicking here uh they had a phenomenal draft it's one of the names you hear all the time, you know, after the, you know, after the uh, uh, draft weekend. So I, I get it. So,
0: so, so you asked me to, so I'll throw out cause you went through a couple teams. Um, obviously the jets, anytime a team is making three first round picks and mm-hmm. the last of those is Jermaine Johnson, that plenty of people had mocked into the, their top 10 and even top 15. And what do you go? twenty six, twenty seven, 27, something like that. Um, I actually think the Tennessee Titans, considering trading away your best offensive weapon in AJ Brown, <laughs> didn't do all that bad for themselves as well. Um, between Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary in the second round, uh, and then Malik Willis, like I listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna slander you so hard right now. But the your top ten quarterback in Ryan Tannehill going into the season last year ain't it, dog? He just ain't it. Like Malik is going to get an opportunity to compete. Um, And I'm not so uncertain that he doesn't fit this offense maybe a little bit better than Mr. Tannehill does. So if if those are my three, my first three picks, all things considered, like you didn't fail. You did. I think you did pretty well for yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. So another team I thought won. Um. And I think I'm going to get, be against the green here. I think the Green Bay Packers. And I think if you really look at what they accomplished this uh, past weekend, uh, I feel like they're planning for the inevitable regression of Aaron Rodgers. And what I mean I just Aaron Rodgers cannot single-handedly or won't be able to single-handedly carry a team. And now you can say, well, well, how can you say that when you draft a first-round wide receiver? There was no – Listen, I think personally when e- the Eagles traded for uh, uh, their their pick for A.J. Brown and then the Titans selected uh, Traylon Burks, I thought I, th- I think it was going to be Burks all day, but that trade kind of shook things up, and I think they pivoted there. And they weren't going to trade up for one of these wide receivers uh, with all their draft picks. It wouldn't have been fair, I think. You trade up for one of these wide receivers, you know how much pressure you're putting on them saying that, now this is the person we traded up for to replace De- Devontae Adams. So I, I, don't, I don't think that was a uh, – if the player wasn't there, uh, I think what they did was smart. Now, how can I say they, they're they're building around Aaron Rodgers? Because if you look at what they did, they fortified that that, that defense, the uh, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt picks, all right? So th- that defense has always been, you know, a little soft, right? Uh, but last year they kind of bucked the trend, and now they added a little more to it. Uh, then they added uh, Christian Watson, a big, tall, fast wide receiver out of North Dakota State. They finally got that wide receiver. Uh, I also like who else? They got another wide receiver from Nevada named Romeo Dubs. Uh, I think he's a really good uh, complimentary wide receiver that uh, the, the Green Bay Packers you know, will have immediate playing time. But in addition, look at the offensive linemen they picked up. Sean Ryan, UCLA uh, offensive tackle, versus if you kick him down to guard. Penn State Rashid Walker. Now, Rashid Walker was selected at 249 overall. And you say, well, why are you so high in him? He had injuries and he didn't test. So there's a little uncertainty there. But when he was healthy, he probably would have been a top, uh, you know, know, he probably would have been gone by round three in that regards. And then also, my my love affair with Zach Tom as well, uh, often interior offensive lineman for, uh, wake forest who shut down Jermaine Johnson, uh, uh, when they played uh, Florida state. So they build up the offensive line, they build up the defense and they added some wide receivers. And it's no longer on, on, on Aaron Rodgers's shoulder to make shit happen. I think this team became deeper. I think this became a more complete team. Exactly what the Kansas city chiefs did. Um, and I really think, uh, this was, a uh, a good draft, a good overall haul. Uh, if you, and you look at it from a, you know, 300 foot view there.
0: Yeah. I I know it's
1: controversial take, but
0: not, not so controversial because I think a lot of people, I think the controversy is like coming out of day one with two first round picks, and then both again being on right. They were both defensive players, right? Yep, um, well, Peter, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah. Why? Which who I mocked to them, by the way, and okay. in, in our first round mock. But um, that being said, I think the, the consensus was again, like again, just defensive players. But what I thought was prudent and smart is the offensive players of value just weren't there. Right. Like all the wide receivers were gone with first round talent, etc. So like, pick good football players you know what i mean like that's what it comes down to and then the rest of the draft again starting day two trading up christian watson like moving like you know what i mean like they did they did prudent things um and i and i think they did well i think the last team that i would throw into this conversation that i think did well for themselves and it's not going to show up this year um is the the houston texans
1: yes i was between yeah yeah I was between Green Bay, and I'm so happy because I can provide – okay, go ahead.
0: So a lot of people are going to be like Stingley at three. Like, so
1: nah, – No, he was one of my top five players. I love I, I, was... I know
0: – I you and I know, like, we talk about this. I know somebody on the staff, right? And a lot of, like, I was talking to them moving up, like, you know, into the draft, and they were just like an offensive-minded guy on that staff talking about, hey – You know, we really want to like, we do actually believe in Davis Mills. We do think he's going to be a good football player. So, obviously, the speculation was like, so protect that football player. And when they were picking at three, they had the choice of the top three tackles in this draft. Right. So, they had that choice. I know everybody loves Sauce Gardner. I love Sauce Gardner. But outside of that little injury history to Stingley, like, Dude, this dude's a a savage, right? So, So like, it's not a reach at three. It might feel like it is on paper, but I'm telling you it's not a reach. Um, Stingley is a good player. And then those concerns about protect, protect, protect. So they traded back two slots, right, because they were picking at 13. They traded back to 15. So they picked up another first next year, or I think a, a second and whatever on that. And they got Kenyon Green, a, a player that we we're, were both high at, um, you know, the guard from, from Texas A&M. They had one, two, three, four, five, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six picks in the first 107 in this draft. Derek Stingley, Kenyon Green, Jalen Petrie at 37, John Mechie third, who had not had he not got injured in the, the championship game, is probably another wide receiver from Alabama that's being talked about in the first round. They got him at 44. At 75, they went ahead and get another Alabama player and linebacker Christian Harris, who has serious Reuben Foster vibes, the way that he played at Alabama. And then at 107, they went ahead and got Damian Pierce running back from Florida, who I thought only just played superbly well um, at the Senior Bowl and showed up uh, you know, over the, over the course of the year. Again, it's not going to show up in 2022. There's still more to do. But Texan fans still have two first-round picks next year. I think they have two or three second-round picks next year. 11 picks. But every one of these picks was prudent, not redundant. So I just mentioned three, four, five, six players at six different positions and that are got, immediate starters on this team.
1: Exactly. You hit the nail right in the head. I'm not going to repeat everything you said, but, uh, yeah, I love the fact that they, they did a great job fortifying that secondary with Stingley, who's – I feel about Stingley, how I felt about Micah Parson last year. So that says a lot. So uh, for those who know who, how I feel about Micah, who I felt about Micah Parson pre-draft, uh, you know that I love Stingley. Uh, Jalen Petrie, who gets a lot of comparisons to the Honey Badger. Uh, so they did a great job of fortifying that secondary. They added some offensive line. You're right. They got immediate contri- contributors to a team that is in desperate need of contributors.
0: I just think it was prudent, right? And making moves, some trades. Like, I mean, dude, that 44 pick was from Cleveland. The uh, 75th pick was from Denver. Um, You know, the the 107 was from Detroit. Like, they're just using their, you know what I mean? They weren't getting cute with their assets. Like, no, we're like, we need contributions right away. So I I thought the Houston Texans did real well from themselves. So speaking of doing well from themselves, let's parlay into those that maybe didn't do so well from themselves and losers in this particular draft so
1: yeah um my first on the docket is the chicago bears and why do they hate justin fields why i don't understand why because this regime didn't pick them i don't know but their first two picks were okay. Uh, both secondary players, Kyler Gordon at 39 and uh, uh, Jaquan Brisker at 48. They're good players. Okay. But if you look at the offensive players, they passed up to help Justin Fields. They passed up on George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, Cam Jurgens. All would have been re- real help for a struggling Justin Fields in that offense. Now, if you look at their depth chart, it's just Mooney and everyone else. I just thought they did a bad job uh, fortifying offensive line, adding, you know, uh, skill position players, much needed. Hell, maybe even a running back to take some pressure off of Montgomery or, like, add, like, a different dimension, uh, like the kid from uh, Georgia, uh, Cooks, uh, Cook. Um, but I just felt like this wasn't it. This wasn't the draft. I, I, they did not add enough to support. Justin Fields and be honest with you, you know how I feel about the secondary, you know, the secondary players. I don't think of their premium positions. They, they uh, selected either with their first two picks. Now, am I being a little harsh because they didn't have a first overall overall pick, first round overall pick because they traded for Justin Fields last year? Yeah, I might be, but, um, I just think they were redundant on their first two picks and it's not going to help their second quarterback. Um, and you have to worry about that. Think about what Sam Darnold went through. Uh, you don't want your your, your uh, second-year uh, quarterback seeing ghosts, and I just don't think he has the help around him to be successful. And once again, he I think he, he, the possibility he could fail this year because of that.
0: Yeah. I, so I'll take it a step further with the Bears. Um, the While I like the player Villas-Jones from Tennessee, I'm a Vols fan. Um, Vol, I, yeah. I put it out there all the time. Dude is literally 25, like in a month, right? Like so he's an old senior. Yeah. How how high is his ceiling? That's what Think I'm saying. It. How it, high is his ceiling if he's 25 years old? He's a good he's a good player, but he feels just like so similar to Darnell Mooney. Like it doesn't feel like it's a lot of difference. And it's just like, where's the compliment? Right? Where's the Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney balance? Somebody similar, like you said, um, weapon. So I won't I won't belabor the point. I'm torn here. Like part of me just wants to dig into the Jacksonville Jaguars so badly, like so badly, but I'm going to actually parlay into the new England Patriots.
1: Uh, That's the low hanging fruit.
0: It's the low hanging fruit. And then I'll, I'll let the cream rise to the top on this one. So okay. the obvious is is Cole Strange, right? Um, at whatever it was, 27, 20, what whatever 29. 29. Where everybody's like, hey, this dude from Chattanooga has got a third round grade on him, and Bill Belichick says I'm gonna go ahead and take him in the first round. And I, I can't help but get the video. Do you see that video of Sean McVay and Les Snead?
1: We're floored,
0: dude. They were like, we thought we'd have a shot at him at 100, and they just started dying laughing. And
1: I I agree with Sean McVay, and let me tell you why. I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I thought there was numerous times he got overpowered, uh, and and I just wouldn't ever think in my head that he'd be
0: a first-round pick. So, again. I, I err on the on two schools of thought. One is, if that's your guy, you go get your guy, right? Like, we all talked about that most teams only have, what, 14 to 16 first-round grades given anyway. So, if you're selecting there and nobody – I I'm, I guarantee they were probably trying to shop that pick and nobody really bit for what they were looking for. No, so, they went and got their the rumor guy. Was,
1: Apparently, the rumor was – is and I'm not trying to sound like a homer or whatever, but when the Chargers selected Zion Johnson, if you notice – the Patriots like traded back within like like, within minutes of that
0: and 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 that would have made a lot more sense yeah I mean Boston
1: College New England Patriots versatile offensive lineman I mean can play center so or guard so
0: so the 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 reach is there but I'll go back to what I said very early in this like I promise you build like, we're sitting here critiquing it, Bill Belichick, not that he would care about us anyway, but Bill Belichick does not give a fuck what anybody else thinks about who he picks, when he picks him. Like, uh, Logan, Man- he's done this with Logan Mankins, he's done this with other guy, right? Like, as long as they they fit their scheme. Now, one thing I will say about Strange is that if you you love Rass, dude, and his Rass was top notch in comparison. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's in like the top, like seven out of like 13, 1400 people at that position over time. So just putting that out there and Belichick, like I said, he doesn't care. Like he doesn't care if this guy is smart, can digest the playbook and I can plug him in day one. We'll all be probably laughing about this because they won't pick up his fifth year option. They might even trade him away, get some assets for him, and then two years later he'll be a New England Patriot again See, after I he gets an all-pro grade.
1: I got to say something. I think you're falling in love with the Laura Bill Belichick. I, he's a fantastic coach. One of the, he's the best coach in the NFL ever. Uh, him being a GM, I don't know if he'd still be around if he strictly was a GM. If you look over the last couple of years, their draft picks have been god-awful. Yep. And I think you know he's a little, there's arrogance to him. Uh, that he knows more than everyone and what have you, but that all that being said, did not like the, the Cole Strange pick, especially there. Uh, I thought the you know, I mean, I'll let you, I'll 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 digress and let you continue, but I just think you're falling. What has Bill, Bill Belichick done the last couple of years after
0: Tom Brady? I know he's gone I'm, to the playoffs, but yeah, he, he
1: got ran out of town in the playoffs.
0: I'm not falling for it because I'm not a Patriots fan, right? So I'm not trying to create this disillusion. Excuse me. What I'm saying is like he doesn't care, right? So like he's gonna pick his guy. Where I start to critique even heavier is at 127 and 183. They take two more running backs to add to a group that is already Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, Ty Mike, Ty Montgomery, J.J. Taylor, and Devine Ozigbo. Right. So I just mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six running backs already on the roster, and they drafted two more so you think kyle shanahan loves running backs i agree right this is where is bill the gm getting in the way because those don't make a lot of sense to me on a team that like maybe i should be looking at going to get my second year and then they drafted another quarterback in like the fourth or fifth round or whatever that was it was. Zappy. Yeah, zappy yeah zappy in the fourth round or whatever what and it's just like shouldn't we be investing around Mac Jones? Okay, so arguably you did that with an offensive lineman. Should you not be supporting that well, they also, with other assets?
1: They also they traded up for Taekwon Thornton, the wide receiver at Ballard. I get it. You love the speed. You love the measurables and all. But they traded up for Taequann Thornton, which I thought was a reach, when the following players, once again, were still on the board. George Pickens, Alec Pierce, and, and Sky Moore. So not sure – what they saw in Thornton over those guys. But I thought that was another shocker. So the back-to-back first the two picks in the draft were head scratches for me. The one I really really like looking at this draft is the Marcus Jones selection out of Houston. Uh, Like I said, he adds uh, special team value. Uh, He's fast. I think he's a really good cornerback too. Um, And that's the only pick looking at this I really love.
0: Here's the funnier thing, too, is I I saw – I'm trying to remember where, but somebody, like, knocked, like, hey, can somebody remind Bill that you can select players from 1A football and not just, like, dudes from Tennessee, Chattanooga, South Dakota State, Northwestern Missouri State, and Western Kentucky. (laughs) Like, there are a a number of other, you know, D1A collegiate teams. I do want to beat up on the Jaguars, not tremendously, but, like, two linebackers in the top 70 – And the Trayvon Walker, like no secret, man. Like we all knew, like, as we got closer to it, he was going to go one because of his like upside. And, you know, we had Craig on here who is a Trayvon Walker fan and, and, you know, started to vouch for him from tape and, and whatnot. But we all said the same thing. You take this man in the top five, let alone at the top one, you're just setting a precedent for failure for this guy because like, You expect number one to explode onto the scene, to make an immediate impact, to almost change the guard for your team like a quarterback would number one overall. Or in more recent years, like a Miles Garrett or even Nick Bosa at two. Like, those are the expectations you have of this player. And I just don't think Trayvon... Has that? I'm not gonna say he's not gonna be a good player, but he's not gonna do those things. Is my opinion.
1: I'm confused with the fit too, but
0: like Aiden Hutchinson was the safe bet, right? Like consistency, motor, team lead. Like you need you need those things down in Jacksonville. Like it just felt like that was the even one of the linemen, any of the offensive tackles, any one of them. Like I'm I'm building around my quarterback. Like none of this was like. Like we all said, Trevor Lawrence was like the best prospect since Andrew Locke, right? Like that's what everybody's saying about him. Like, why would you not support that? And I'm sorry, Christian Kirk is not supporting that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my knock. Uh,
1: last one for me, New Orleans Saints. Uh, I was shocked that they didn't move up in the top 10 uh, for better talent. Uh, they really mortgaged their, their future. And I like Chris Olave a lot, but they really mortgaged their future, like, you know, uh, by trading a, fir- a future first round pick. Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, uh, in my opinion. I know they're delusional, but they they think that they are closer than you know they are. And while I do like the Chris Olave pick, um, don't like the Trevor Penning pick for reasons I stated before. That I was relieved when the Chargers did not select Trevor Penning. Uh, I just thought it was a little confusing uh, looking at this draft. Uh, I always thought they were going to trade up. Remember my last show, I'm like, they want an offensive tackle, man. They're going to trade up for an offensive tackle. It's not going to be a quarterback. They are not selecting a quarterback. And they just stayed put, selected, the you know, the fifth best offensive tackle, you know, on the board, and they traded up for their wide receiver. Don't think this really moves the needle too much for me with those selections. And then guess what? If if Winston fails this year, what's their plan next year? Because i tell you right now, they have a first-round pick. So very confused, uh, what's going on there in New Orleans uh, for those reasons?
0: Yeah, uh, well, we were both wrong, by the way, on the over/under because they did make two first-round selections, yeah. <laughs> even though they did move a little bit on the uh, the Alave. All right, so winners and losers—you've heard it. We've covered the Niners. We covered the Chargers, Lou. I promise you a little bit of, of a curveball, but it's not—it's not a true twelve-to-six hook, right? Okay. Um. So. Hang it. What, I'm going to hang it for you right now. So what, which, which one do I want to ask first? What was your favorite? No, I'll ask this one first. What team had the best value pick and who was that pick?
1: Ooh, huh. The best value pick. That's a good question. Hmm, you did throw – you kind of kind of was a 12-6 to six here. You put me on the spot. <laughs> all right, so for the best value pick, it's going to sound corny and all, but Jamison Williams and the Detroit Lions. And let me tell you why. I'm as wide receiver one, and the fact that two wide receivers went before him, I get the injury and what have you. Uh, but I, I thought that was a really good value for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I love what the Lions did in the draft. And the fact that they were able to get, you know, the best wide receiver by far, in my opinion, uh, and Jamison Williams, I did like that. And now, if you want to talk about another value, they got Josh Pasqual too, uh, from Kentucky, too. So, those, those the Lions got some good value in, in those players. All
0: right. I'm tempted to just take the low hanging fruit and just say N'Kobe Dean from the for the Eagles at 83 mm-hmm. overall. Um, oh, t- what about t- the Chiefs? Sky Moore. Sky Moore, maybe. Um, Definitely. But if I went for the Ravens, I could name four players here, right? Like yeah. I could say Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton, Travis Jones, Daniel Falele, who's like the l- biggest man alive that they got in the fourth round. But I'll stay with the Ravens, and I'll go with David Ojabo. So uh, we talked about it before, right? You mentioned I said top 10. You said for certain top 17 overall pick to get at 45. You're reuniting him with his former defensive coordinator that helped him blossom. He's going from one Harbaugh brother to another. Like you literally could not have scripted this any better for him, but the peer value is again, barring that in that unfortunate injury in his pro day, likely a top let's just let's, let's split the difference and say a top 13, 14 pick in the draft to be able to, essentially red shirt. So it feels like the Baltimore Ravens are making two first round picks next year already for the team. So I'll, I'll go with David yeah. Ojabo.
1: Can I play devil's advocate there? I'm not yeah. sure I talked to you about this. I love David Ojabo. If he was a first round pick, don't love David Ojabo. If he's past the first round and let me tell you why with it, when you're a first round pick, you get that exercise, that fifth year option, you have five year control. When you're not first round pick, you only have four years. So David Ojabo injury, probably not going to play this year if he does it's going to be towards the back end uh, end of the fir- of uh, the year right he's extremely raw too right so now he needs another year of learning curve too that's the first two years of the contract where you're not getting his full potential so now you have basically two years remaining on that contract to see what he really has and that could be that could be challenging i think so i would love if someone like uh, with that uh, numerous first round picks uh you know would take a job but it could be a little challenging when he gets past that first round uh to make a a fair evaluation what he could be
0: sure Uh, i think when you have teams that have two first round picks more often than not like let's exclude the packers or the chiefs but there's a reason why they have two first round picks um so it's like you can't necessarily truly roll the dice on on a shirt guy but to counter your argument Okay. Yeah. So the first year carry the, the first round carries that fifth year option standpoint, but if he's a year removed and then he's in that second year being raw, the extension is is shortly there. And it's not for the same money as somebody who might be a first round pick and, and, and balls out, right. Or slips to the second round because he's got character issues and balls out and you lose that, that fifth year option. So I just, I just think for where they got him and the environment that he's going to, for his, it just makes a lot of sense for both parties, um, and that's where the the value is there. And I didn't want to say to Kobe Dean because I felt like that was the lowest hanging, most obvious fruit, who's probably also facing a redshirt year. Um, as he said well.
1: he's going re- he to be ready for camp. Mm.
0: Dude, Pex, bro, at linebacker. That those are those are different. So let me throw you my last little curveball.
1: I'm guessing it's the opposite now.
0: No, I'm going to say, what was your favorite pick of the draft?
1: <clears throat> yeah, my favorite pick of the draft. I know I'm staying in the first round, but I love the fact that the giants and that passed on Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm a big cave on fan. I just think he's smart and he intimidates, you know, um, NFL like management, the way he talks. Uh, I, 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 I think he's great. I think he's athletic. I think it's, you know, some of the concerns are overblown when it comes to him taking plays off. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, really thrive in New York. Love the Kayvon Thibodeau pick. You have to understand, but, you know, before all this, he was easily slotted to be, you know, the first overall pick. And now they start, I don't know why it's always Oregon players, Justin Herbert, you know, Marcus Mariota, uh, Penny Sewell. Kayvon Thibodeau always, for some reason, Oregon uh, top prospects—they always get like shit thrown on right before the draft. Those are easily first, supposed to be first overall picks, and
0: people because, don't love the Pac-12, man. People don't I mean, love the Pac-12. They I
1: mean, like USC. So, but I'm just saying, I just find it interesting. But uh, I love the Kayvon Thibodeau pick.
0: Uh, so, what I love about that is the or- the the order in which the Giants chose to do this. Right, because if they don't, if they take, they had their choice of the three tackles, which they desperately need one of them anyway. Um, And everybody linked them ourselves included to cross because of the working amount of right tackle and whatnot. So if you take the tackle first, even though there's only one pick in between you, I do think there's teams who are calling Carolina with all the uncertainty of what Carolina was going to do, quarterback or whatever, to get there for Thibodeau. Right. So you strategically were like, I'm going to take Thibodeau. And then I am fine with any of the three tackles because they're still there. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just like they're still all there. But if I if I play my hand on one of the tackles, I probably more likely than not, I miss out on Thibodeau. But the way that they planned it, it could not have gone any better because I don't think they were really ever in play for Icky, because I thought they they probably thought Icky was going to be long gone before they even picked that five, right? Like, that's probably so they probably didn't do as much homework on him as they did on Neil and Cross, so I think they were fine going between the two, and then Neil still being there, I think was like the dream scenario um, for them, so I agree, and I think thibodeau at five great pick but specifically because they chose him at five because they probably might not have been able to pull that trigger at seven so um i'm gonna be not 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 a homer what's the word i want to look for i'm just gonna stay true to what i've been pounding the table for me so my favorite pick was the uh titans taking Traylon burks where they took him. um i don't like the reason why they had to do it i think if aj brown's still there that's probably not you know a a play well because they were picking what overall anyway they were picking the 24th yeah so i don't think a wide receiver was on their radar to to begin with but obviously once that trade happened and they got the the 18th overall pick like i just think i don't want to i don't want to say traylon's eerily similar to aj but like to me aj brown was just is very special when the ball's in his hands right and when i think of quarterback limitations that I think clearly exist in, in Tennessee. It's not about pushing the ball down the field. It's about quick releasing tent, you know, like your deep routes are, are no more than 15 yards down the field. And what can this guy do with the ball in his hands? And I think Traylon does special things. And I think, again, we made the comparison like Debo esque slightly different, but you know, you can get creative with this guy. And I think he's going to be an immediate, jolt into the offense for malik wills i'm sorry no i meant ryan Tannehill. he's going to be a jolt to them again i don't want to set unfair expectations and say this guy is aj brown because aj brown even though it was a second round pick came onto the scene right like had a, a stellar super sexy rookie year and obviously now three years later warranted with a four-year 100 million dollar extension but i do think uh <clears throat> I do think Traylon's the right guy for Tennessee, especially in a, such a run-heavy offense. There'll be creative ways to, to get him involved. I just more look forward to seeing him when Malik Willis is his quarterback versus when Ryan Tannehill is his quarterback. So
1: I said he's one of the biggest boom or bust prospects in the draft uh, because uh, people are saying he's A.J. Brown. They're saying he's Debo Samuel, or he could be like Laquan Treadwell or what have you. Um, I just feel like don't love the situation he was in. Now, if he went to Green Bay, you best believe, you know, that would would have been my favorite pick. Um, They could have been real creative with that offense. Don't love the situation he's going in in Tennessee. Um, For numerous reasons, from a schematic standpoint, I know, you know, he has similar skill sets to A.J. Brown, but um, don't think he's going to be able to get to that level anytime soon uh, because of the regression of Tannehill. I, I see. I owned up to it. So, you know, the regression, of Tannehill. uh,
0: also, Is that I also foreshadowing that he won't be in your top yeah. ten quarterbacks next year. So, and also I think that,
1: um, I just feel like, uh, he has a big shoes to fill and it could be a little problematic always comparing him to AJ Brown too. So I don't like, like, uh, like the situation he's going to have to be the one. I don't know if I liked AJ Brown. I mean, I don't know if I liked Traylon Burks being the one for a team like the Tennessee Titans.
0: It's a one, but it's like a, it's, it's not your, like he's not your, and neither was AJ Brown, your traditional one, right? Like when you think of your one, you think of like D Hop, you think of possession wide receivers, you know what I mean? Like I think he's the one because you're going to have to, you're going to have to force feed him the football, um, and take advantage of it while he's 21, 22 years old, right? And he doesn't know any better and he's not looking to conserve his body and he's just trying to earn contract number two. You know, as as quickly as he possibly can, or at least put the production out there to to cement the argument. But I, I I'm I'm doubling down just because I'm a I'm a Trey Lomberg's guy. I know you are too. And with that boomer bust and you know it was scenario based, um, I'll, I'll say this is not the most ideal scenario for the player. But I think the player is going to help the scenario is yeah. the way that I look at it. So okay. all it's right, to shame. So,
1: shame those top wide receivers all went to like teams that i don't know how they're really going to like that's not going to increase their value like the i love Garrett Wilson went to the jets Drake London to the Falcons like there's no like the quarterbacks there i don't know what teams,
0: Marcus is doing with Drake London
1: yeah or, or Jameis Winston with uh, Olave or Goff with uh, Jameson Williams so like yep. it's a shame that none of these quarterbacks going to play with like better well none of these receivers going to play with better quarterbacks
0: yeah, they didn't get Mahomes. They didn't get, you know, Sky Moore and Christian Watson are, are laughing all the way to the bank because they're about exactly. to get fed rocks in, in so many ways. So, yeah. Lou, that's a wrap for us. Um, to quickly recap, again, we went through the our recap of the draft, talked about the, your chargers, my 49ers, gave some winners, losers, talked about value picks, talked about our favorite picks. Um, so that that covers our, our draft coverage. Now we get into a little bit of the the low point in the season we'll have some rookie mini camps coming up some otas on the horizon so you know outside of injuries and you know this is all t-shirts shorts and helmets right now so not a lot of uh, sexy exciting stuff but it's been a crazy mm-hmm. off season nonetheless to cover but like i always do lou i'll rely on you to let everybody know where they can find us
1: follow us on instagram and twitter at wtf pod nfl and Weston, where can they find us on uh,
0: YouTube? At We're talking football on YouTube. I still have a running bet going with Lou. For anybody that remembers, that doesn't look
1: that good. Right doesn't now, look <laughs> that
0: good for Lou. But Lou doesn't even actually owe me anything in return. I just told him by the end of the the end of twenty twenty two, we get to five hundred subscribers. Uh, a very expensive dinner is coming his way on me that I will be partaking in as well, of course. I'm not just gonna send him and the wife out. That's silly. I'm gonna make him have to go out and spend time with me. Uh but Lou, always appreciate the time. I know it's late in the evening, uh, but we'll be we'll be back in uh short order. All right, take it easy. Adios.